ask you a question this morning. When you go to a restaurant, why are you going there? Just a practical answer. To do what? To eat. Right? Some of you thought that was a trick question. Like, what's he going to pull over on me? When you go to a restaurant, you go to partake, right? You go to eat. Guess what? When you come to church, you're going to, for the purpose of feeding and eating the Word of God. Amen? There's a scripture, I believe, in the book of Jeremiah that says this. He says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And they were like joy and rejoicing unto, unto me. Amen? Now, does that mean that Jeremiah took a Bible and took a big chunk out of it? Got his, his fork and his knife and started eating his Bible? No. When he says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them, Jesus said like this, he says, Man shall not live by bread alone, physical bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, what food is to the natural body, the Word of God is to your spirit. Amen? Brother Hagin put out some books years, many, many years ago called Faith Food. Do you ever, anybody have Faith Food? You can go on their website and get that. And it's basically, it's a daily devotional. And... Uh, and it's, it's marvelous because there's just bite-sized script, you know, scriptures and then a little short saying or something inspirational there that will just, it just never gets old. And what amazes me uh, is that when you go to those devotionals, how that so often the particular devotion for that particular day sometimes will match exactly what you're going through at that time, like a word in due season. Amen. So I'm praying that today that what, the things that I share in the time that we have, have together here would, would it be in particular a word in due season for you to encourage you, to feed you, to build you up, and to give you a supernatural hope with whatever it is that you're going through? Amen? I think uh, what, I've, what I found, this, my pastor used to say this years ago when I was working in the state of Texas. He said, he goes, to be honest with you, most people are in a situation, their back hurts and they need a new refrigerator. <laughs> he said, that, that's where most people are at, you know, give or take a few different things, you know. And people want to know, how do I get victory over this? They don't want to know about the hypostatic union of Christ, you know, and all the $50 words and all that. They want to know the basics, you know, how can I get out of this mess that I'm in? What, what Brother Glenn shared was a powerful thing right there. Amen. Amen. That's a powerful thing. Will God pay your taxes? Well, he did with Peter, didn't he? Had him go catch a fish, and there's a piece of their money in his mouth, and it paid for both of their taxes. Did he tell you you got fishing, brother? Not <laughs> Not yet. But God has unique ways of, uh, of, of getting things to us, that whatever it is that we need. Praise the Lord. Father, I thank you today for this opportunity to share with these precious people, Lord, that are here today. I thank you for their hearts, for their lives, and for their dedication to you, Father. And you died for them because you love them, Lord, all of us here. And today, we just ask you for heaven's best, Lord. Give us your best. We open our hearts up to receive fresh manna from heaven today, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. We talked, uh, uh, well, for the last, this is actually number five. We started, I think our first session was actually in this room too, five weeks ago we started here and then, uh, you know, we're back here again today. Uh, but we're actually at uh, part five. We typically, I typically teach in a series format. That's just the way the Lord has led me. You know, and uh, sometimes they can go a couple of months. Amen. But that's okay. You all right with that? Okay. But in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, we, we've used this as our, our main scripture here. And it says that w without faith, without faith it is impossible to please Him. That's God. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a reward of those that diligently seek Him. So we see from this scripture as we've read that Faith is the only avenue that we can please God, okay? And a better way to say that will be trust. Now, there's some other synonyms for the word faith, because sometimes we tend to spiritualize words. We, we hear that, but we don't really know exactly what it means. We talk about redemption, but what does that mean? You know what I mean? But there, here's some synonyms for other words for the word faith, and it means confidence, trust, conviction, assurance, dependence, reliance, and to give credence to. Okay? So if I have, 
if I have faith in you, then I have confidence in what you said you will do. Okay? You've ever heard the saying, a man is only as good as his word? And that's true. Now, we saw uh, in the last few sessions, I'll just mention this, that the way we're talking about how to develop a strong living faith with God. And the, the scripture tells us that there's different types of faith. There's weak faith, there's strong faith, there's unfeigned faith. You know, there's different types of faith. And the good thing is, is we can, we can strive to be stronger in faith. We should be stronger in faith uh, next year more than we are this year. And we can do that on purpose. Now, the, the first thing that we talked about to develop strong faith, we have to recognize the integrity of God's Word. We talked about that. Remember that? The integrity of God's Word. And I think that's the, that's the, uh, that's the big deal right there, is to rec- recognize the integrity. Now, what does that mean? That means what God says is the absolute truth. Everything God says is totally the truth. And so when we understand that, when we approach the Word of God, even, even today in this service, when we approach the Word of God, we, we come with the understanding of, I'm reading God's Word and He cannot lie. What He said, He will do what He spoke and He'll bring it to pass. Amen. <laughs> Amen? That gets pretty exciting. The second thing we looked at to develop stronger faith is to realize that it's actually God's faith in you. Okay? So the first thing was to develop strong faith, recognize God's, the integrity of God's Word. But number two, and we talked about this last week, is strong faith develops when you realize it's actually God's faith in you. In other words, God's faith on loan from God to you. <laughs> okay, so the faith... Now go to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Josh, could you bump, bump it up one more heat? Okay, just one. In Galatians chapter 2, in verse 20, uh, it says this. I'm just kind of laying the foundation here this morning. It says, For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. In the life that I now live, I live, notice this, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Okay? That's Galatians. Notice that we live by the faith of the Son of God, not in the Son of God. Okay? So, the faith that you have now, all of you here have faith. You wouldn't even be here today, okay, if you didn't have faith in God. Now, you may not feel like it, but you have faith in God, and that faith that you do have was placed there by Almighty God. Amen? Now, I'm just going to quote this because of time, but in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Okay, in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, You're saved by grace through faith, that not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Okay? So, even the faith that you do have is on loan from God. God gave you the faith. So whatever God, said, whatever God says, He gives you the capacity to believe that. Now here's what I want to get into today. If you have your Bibles, go over to, this is just one verse, Mark chapter 11 and verse 22. Hallelujah. Oh, I love this scripture so much. But Mark chapter 11 and verse 22. Not a very long scripture, but there's a lot in there. Amen. <laughs> Jesus answered and said unto them, Have faith in God. Let's say that last phrase. Have faith in God. One more time. Have faith in God. Now, could you bring that up, Josh, in the Amplified, that same verse right there? And I want you, it's, there's another little additive to this particular scripture. Mark 11, verse 22 in the Amplified Translation. Jesus replying said unto them, Have faith in God constantly. Constantly. Okay, so uh, every 
trial that we face. Do you ever, do you ever face situations in your life and you're, you're left there kind of scratching your head and you think, I know I'm supposed to pray, I'm supposed to ask God and, and trust Him, but, but then your mind says, I just don't see how that's going to take place. I've, I've been there more times I'd like to think. You know, you're in a situation, you're like, how's this going to take, how's this going to happen, right? The answer is always found in this verse right here. Have faith in God constantly. Have faith in God. And that will settle a lot of sleepless nights, staying up at night, wringing your hands, losing sleep. Amen. Sometimes I'll go to bed with this scripture. I'm not talking about a lullaby here. I'm talking about I'll go to bed with this scripture. Have faith in God. I'll just be thinking about it. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Yeah, but what about your kids? Have faith in God. What about that unpaid bill or bills? Have faith in God. Okay? So if we're going to have faith, strong faith, we have to have faith in the right thing. We have to have faith in God. And it says, the Amplified says, have faith in God constantly. Say constantly. constantly. Or, or you could say consistently. Okay? Well, Brother Keith, that's the problem. I don't feel like I have enough faith, you know? Well, feelings have nothing to do with it. Okay, like I said before, how many of you have a brain? Can you feel it? No, I don't feel it. How many of you have lungs? All right, can you feel it? No. All right. You have a heart. You can't feel it. I feel the beep, but you don't feel the heart itself. All right. You've never even seen it. Okay. But you know it's there. And when God puts his faith on the inside of you, it's there for a supernatural purpose to see supernatural results. Every one of you here have already seen a miracle that's greater than being raised, somebody being raised from the dead, or a crippled person walking, or a blind eye being opened. And guess what that is? The new birth. Amen. The greatest miracle on the planet Earth can't even be seen with a natural eye, and that's the new that's the recreation of the born again, a person being born again, going from darkness to light. Do you ever stop and think about that? That's that's the greatest miracle of all. I remember when I was 16 years old and I gave my heart to the Lord. And I was in spiritual darkness. I was lost. I was lost. But somebody presented to me the gospel, 16 years old. And I said, you know what, I believe that. Because I knew I needed something because I didn't have peace. You know, I was always upset about something, always worried about something, you know. Oh, I'll tell you what, when I said Jesus come into my heart, I, that's the only thing I knew that I, I can tell you. That something came into me I didn't have before. All right. Um, now today I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 13 for, for a minute here. In Hebrews chapter. The third thing we're going to talk about today to, to develop a strong confidence and a faith in the Lord is to make a conscientious, this is number three, make a conscientious decision to look to God in every area of life. Make a conscious decision to look to God in every area of life. And the reason that people sometimes don't look to God when they're in trouble is because they really don't have the confidence that He cares enough for them to help them get out of that situation. Okay? We've all done that. We've all been there. But it's very, very important for us to realize that if we're going to develop strong confidence in God, we've got to go, right? We've got to go to the book, you know. The Bible even says in Psalm chapter 1, Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the word of the Lord, and in his word does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That bringeth forth fruit in his season, his leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now, there's worldly counsel, ungodly counsel, and they're not going to give you the counsel of God. They're not going to give you the wisdom of God. Okay? Now, I'm not, I'm not criticizing psychologists and things like that. You know, sometimes there's good people out there, don't get me wrong. 
But if the counsel that they give, they're giving a person does not line up with the Word of God, it's called ungodly counsel. Okay? Amen. Because, you know, there's, there's psychologists out there, psychiatrists out there that say, if it feels good, do it. If it feels good, well, tell Adam and Eve that. Okay? If it feels good, do it. Right? That's not godly counsel. Okay? Now, if you go to Hebrews 13... And again, we're talking about this third step today to develop a strong confidence, a strong faith in the Lord. Make a conscious decision to look to the Lord for everything that you face in life. Okay? So many times people, Christians even, run from God instead of running to Him when He has all the answers. Do you know when we have church here, this is like a big counseling session? Okay? We just don't have a couch. Okay? <laughs> Church is like a big counseling session. It really is because the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, is smart enough to give you the wisdom that you need sitting there in your chair without me knowing anything that you're going through. In fact, I'd rather not know. Okay? Because if, if the Holy Ghost addresses your situation supernaturally that you're going through without me knowing, then you know that there's something supernatural taking place. Okay, Now, John Osteen, who's Joel Osteen's father, he's in heaven now, made a statement many, many years ago that just, that just, uh, just stuck with me. And he said that, you know, and, and at, the, at that time they had about 10,000 people in their church. When uh, Joel inherited his father's church, it had about 10,000 people, something like that. Amen. And uh, but Pastor John Osteen, word of faith, man, I'm telling you, just a wonderful man of God was run at one time when he was pastor and he was running himself ragged counseling people. Man, the phone was ringing off the hook and he was constantly, you know, counseling people. And, and the Lord finally dealt with him because it was wearing him out. And it's like when Jethro, you know, not on the Beverly Hillbillies, but Jethro, <laughs> you know, Moses' father-in-law came to him and said, you're going to wear yourself out. You're, from morning to night, you're counseling these people. He said, you need to delegate some things to tens, to hundreds, to thousands, you know what I'm saying, to take the load off of you, you know. And the Lord instructed Brother Osteen and said this. He goes, don't counsel anybody unless they've been in church. Now, back then, they had Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, okay? In the South, that's the way it was. He says, nobody is... Uh, don't accept any counseling appointments unless they've been in church for at least two months, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And he says, after two months, if their issues are not dealt with, then you can counsel them. Okay? And to his utter amazement, through the wisdom of God, the people that, that were quick to want counseling, when they saw this, they, first, you know, sometimes people can get upset. They're like, ah, that doesn't seem right. I need counseling right now. Okay? He said, the Lord said this to me. He said, the problem is, is that if they're not submitting to you under the Lord in a church service, he goes, they're not hearing the counsel of God. Therefore, they're going to miss what the Lord's trying to say. Okay? And so, uh, we call, as preachers, we call these things rabbit trails. What does that mean? That means I'll be, I'll be preaching, I'll be in my notes, and all of a sudden I'll feel impressed to come over here and share something that just came into my heart, came into my mind, and I begin to share it that I didn't plan on saying. It happens every single week. Okay? And, uh, and I go back and I look at my notes and said, boy, that wasn't in there. But the Holy Spirit, you know, leaves the 99 and comes over for the one. Okay? Because He loves you that much. He cares for you that much that He wants to get supernatural information to you that will help you. Amen? And, and he, he said this after He implemented this for several months. He said people would come to Him said, Pastor, on Sunday morning or, or, or Sunday night or, or Wednesday night, I was in the service and you seemed to get on the very thing that I'm dealing with right now, the problems that I was having in my marriage. But the, he said, you said some things and it was like God just came into my living room and talked to me personally. Now, how many of you know that's supernatural? Now, that should be happening every single service, every time we meet together. Right? Sometimes we're looking for the spectacular and we miss the supernatural. Hallelujah. The first time this ever happened to me, I was in a Bible school student. I was 21 years old. And uh, 
and I was in Rainbow Bible Training Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I had a situation that uh, I was engaged to my wife at the time. You know, we were about to get married that summer, and uh, and she felt a call to the mission field, right? She was taking missions classes and all this, you know. And but here I am. I had a pastor's heart. I wanted to go in the pastor's group. You know what I mean? And so. I'm like, how's this going to work out? It's amazing the things we worry about back when we're young. You know what I'm saying? And I was just really concerned about it. I thought, Lord, how's this going to work? Because I, I don't have it in my heart to go to the mission field. Now, I'll support people to go there. But my heart is, I have a pastor's heart, right? She had a heart for missions at the time. All right? And uh, so I was really concerned about this. I was, man, I was just like, how's this going to work out? You see? And... Uh, as I'm, we're in, 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 in this particular classroom, this big auditorium in the art, they called the RCA that used to be there. And there was a, a teacher there, his name was Tom Pickens, and he used to be uh, Fred Price's, one of his associate pastors. And he came to work for Brother Hagen there at the time. This is years ago. This is 1982. And, uh, and he was a tremendous teacher, a, prop, a prophetic type teacher in the anointing of the Word of God. And he, I remember that I was sitting in my chair. I remember the left side of the auditorium. I'm sitting there, and I had this question going through me. And he never did this before, okay? Now, he's up on this elevated platform that's about this high, several steps that go up. And usually, he would just stay right behind the podium up there, okay, and share and explain and, you know, teach and that kind of a thing. But all of a sudden, this one day, he comes running down off of the platform, comes over, and he stands about from here to this chair, I'm thinking, what's going on here? And he starts preaching. He says, some of you, you're, you've been confused because, you know, your, your, your spouse or whatever is in the mission field, but you're in the pastor's group. And he goes, he goes don't worry about that. God's going to mesh it all together and work it out, you know. And then he, then he closed the book and went right back up on the stage, you know. You know, it was just, I was just like, Wow. But I noticed something. I noticed something from that moment forward. From that moment forward. And there she is right there. Praise the Lord. There's, I was just talking about you. Amen. <laughs> yeah. I was talking about the time when, uh, about the mission field, how I was really upset because you were, you were going to the mission field. And then I felt I'd be a pastor. And then Tom Pickens came down and he shared that situation there, praise the Lord. And, uh, but you know, I noticed from that moment forward, from that moment forward, I never thought about it again. It was like, it's, it's taken care of. But prior to that, man, I was worried about that. I was concerned about that. Now, I use that illustration with John Osteen because uh, a place, a church, real, we're not playing church, right? Like when we were kids, let's play church. Our kids used to do that. Let's play church. Lay hands on them, they'll fall over. You know what I mean? <laughs> they used to do that when they were young. Let's play church, you know? We're not playing church. We're having church. <laughs> it's so funny when they were young what they used to do. Oh, my goodness. You know? I mean, he, Josh, I'll tell you, he was the most creative person you could ever. His, his mind would be working all the time. He would come up with ideas, you know, and. I remember one time, he was really young, he took my office chair, which was one of those kind that you see, so it goes back and it spins around, it's on wheels, you know. He made a ride out of it in our basement for the neighborhood kids. It was like a thrill ride, you know what I'm saying? He took our, uh, somebody had given us one of those treadmills, okay, and you know how it has different speeds on it? Well, he would put people in, little kids in laundry baskets and put it on full speed and shoot them off the end. You know? Here's the one that got me. He wanted so bad, so bad to have a, uh, something with a motor on it, you know, like a motorcycle or something along that line. I just says, no, we can't do that right now. You know what I mean? And, um, but we did have a self-propelled lawnmower, right? Okay. One day I heard, I thought he was cutting the grass. I looked out the back. He's just young, you know. And, uh, and I looked out from the be Kelly's bedroom. When I looked down, and he's down there, and he's sitting on the lawnmower, and he's pulling the thing so it goes self-propelled. He's dry, while the blades are moving. 
Okay? That's only just a few. <laughs> How come I got off on that? I, I, I have no idea, but, you know. We just had some fun, right? Mm. Well, uh, what I was saying, getting back to the thing with John, John Osteen, I said the Lord showed him. He said, here's the problem. He said, the, the people, the general people that are coming to the church, he said, they're missing out on the counsel of God because they're not taking advantage of the anointing of the pastor that's on you so that when, when you're having services, they're not maybe partaking of that, so they're not getting supernatural help. But if you make it, say, unless you, if you're going to get counsel, you've got to be in those services. You've got to be there, okay? And that's not bondage, that's freedom. And he said, one time after a time and time again, people would come back and say, Pastor, on Wednesday night or Sunday night, you said something, you went off on this little rabbit trail, as we say, and you addressed the very thing that I was having problems with. And I mean, it came anywhere from like marriage problems to relationship problems to financial problems to somebody that needed physical healing in their body. And, and you addressed it supernaturally. I know God loves me because you didn't know that. You didn't know that. See, our God is a supernatural God. And He confirms His Word with signs following. He does. And that's why sometimes in a service just like today, God can address something that's what you need right now. Okay? Praise the Lord. Now in Hebrews chapter 13, let's take a look at verses 5. Now again, today we're talking about this third way to develop strong faith in the Lord is to make a conscientious decision to look to God for every area of life. What does the Word of God say about this? You know, your body's hurting. You have a sickness. What does the Bible say about this? What's the Word of God say? What's the Word of the Lord for this situation? You know, you're going through a struggle financially. You know, well, the Bible will address that. It'll give you answers, supernatural answers. Okay? Having relationship problems. God will help you. Amen? And I'll tell you what. The greatest relationship book that exists is not from Dr. Phil. It's from the Word of God. Who invented marriage anyway? Amen? Isn't that amazing, the day that we're living in now? How that, who, who would have ever dreamt and ever thought that it, there would come a time where your, your child can supposedly choose which sex they're going to be? They don't know if they're a man or a woman. I mean, 25 years ago, would you ever have thought that would have been the case? Isn't that something? That's, told, that's called mass confusion. Okay? Not going to get off too much on that, but... We have to see, what does the Bible say about my situation? Okay? There have been times that I've walked away from God's counsel uh, for whatever reason through the years. But the answer was right there the whole time. Because somehow we think that God doesn't seem to really care for me in this situation. I've been there a long time. I've been in this situation but the truth of the matter is God loves you so much. He cares for you so much that he has a now word for you. Glory be to God. Amen. Okay, Hebrews 13 verse 5 it says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things that you have. For he hath said, now underline that, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now he's actually quoting Deuteronomy 31 verse 6. Okay? That's what that scripture says. He will never leave you or forsake you. Okay? Now here's what I want to show you here today. Um, he says, in the latter part of verse 5, it says, For he, God, hath said, I will never leave you nor forsake you or abandon you. Hmm. The Lord's not going to abandon you. He's not going to leave you alone. Now, we know that we we've live in a society where that certainly is the case, where people are abandoned by their parents, one of their parents, or both their parents, that type of a thing. Okay? Uh, but the Lord says right here, I will never leave you. 
The Amplified says, no, never. <laughs> I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Notice verse 6 comes after verse 5. It says, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Wow. Now, faith has a voice. The believer's voice of victory, right? I love that. Have you heard that before, that phrase? The believer has a voice, and it's the voice of victory. Now, God, strong, if we're going to have strong faith, we have to be saying what God says. To have what God says you can have, you have to be saying what God says you can have. You can have what you say. All right? Now, the only reason that you and I can even say what God says is because He said it first. <laughs> it says, look at that verse again. For God hath said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The next verse says, so we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hallelujah. Do you see the connection there? God said it first, therefore we can say it. Amen? What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen? There's times you have to look at your pocketbook. There's times you have to look at your body and speak to it and say, hey, if God be for me, who can be against me? And God is for you. Amen. Let me tell you something. God is for you. Okay? Praise God. Amen? You don't have to look like you're on jury duty right now, okay? You can <laughs> get a little bit of excitement right now. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So that we may boldly say, mm, not timidly, verse 6. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Now, if we're going to say something, we need to say it boldly. If we're going to say anything, say it boldly. That doesn't necessarily mean loud, okay? But you can say it with confidence. You can whisper boldly. You can say, God before me, who can be against me? Amen? I just whispered that, but I mean it. If God before me, who can be against me? The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Praise God. Now, have you ever heard the, scripture, the, the, the phrase before, we need to be scriptural? If we're going to do something, we need to be scriptural. Now, to be scriptural, you have to have what? Scripture. <laughs> okay? So, to be scriptural, biblical, then we have to have the Word of God on any given subject. Amen? Stop and think about it for a minute here. When Jesus faced the devil in awful combat in the wilderness temptation, after he was baptized by John the Baptist... And the Holy Ghost came upon him, remember that? And the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, and there he was tempted of the devil. Listen, the Spirit led him into that situation because Jesus had to pass the test that Adam failed. Right? And he did. Satan came at him with every, all his arsenal there in the wilderness three separate times. Okay? On, on every one of those temptations. You all remember that? On every one of those temptations... The enemy was putting pressure on his flesh. Okay? But every time the enemy would come at him, he would open his mouth and he would speak scripture. He would quote a verse. He would say this, it is written. <laughs> Amen? Now, I don't know if the devil actually appeared to him or not and tempted him, but I, I tend to think not because... The Bible says he was tempted in every point like as we, yet without sin. I kind of think when the devil came to him, it came in the form of a thought and an imagination. Because 
Wouldn't it be easy to resist the devil if he appeared to you and tempted you? All of a sudden, you're in your living room, and all of a sudden, whoa. Pitchfork, red pajamas. I'm just kidding. That's not probably what he, not, what he looks like anyway. But, but if, if the devil appeared to you and brought a temptation to you, you would be like, that's the devil, and I'm not going to listen to him. Even if you're a Christian for one day, you'd be like, get out of here. You know? And um, it, because you know it's like out in the open, right? He's right there, and you're like, I ain't going to do that, you know? But he's more subtle than that. It says that Satan can appear as an angel of light. He, he's, he's, he slithers through the grass, so to speak, you know, and he's very subtle. And he comes in the form of a thought, of an imagination that doesn't originate from God. Thoughts. Anybody here ever had a bad thought before? How many this morning had a bad thought? Okay. <laughs> On the way to church, had a bad thought. <laughs> There's probably not a day that I get up where I don't have some kind of negative bad thought come against me. I mean, just to be honest with you. Sometimes while I'm preaching, I'll get a bad thought come to me. Right in the middle of my sermon. I say, well, what do you do when that happens? I just preach right through it. <laughs> Amen. There's times I'll be preaching. I'll get a discouraging thought or something will hit me. And I'm like, no, no, we're not going there. We're not going there with that, you know. I'll be going along sometimes, I'll get a negative thought about my body or sorry, bad, you know, some kind of a negative report. Maybe the doctor said something, you know, and let's not put all of our stock completely in the doctors, okay? We respect them, we love them, they're doing the work of God, okay? But let's not them, let them prophesy our future, okay? They're doing the best that they can, but let me, let's let God have his final word and final authority in every situation. God's bigger than a doctor or any other physician for that matter. He's bigger and he's greater. <clears throat> Hallelujah. And so he says that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. When Jesus spoke the word of God, he said, It is written three times. Three separate scriptures out. Now the New Testament wasn't written yet. But out of the book of Deuteronomy. And the first thing the devil tempted him with was turning stones into bread. Wasn't that Adam's first temptation about the food? Okay. And so we see from the Word of God, Jesus said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now Jesus, listen to this, Jesus used Scripture as a weapon against the adversary. <laughs> Is it important to speak the Word of God? Absolutely. Yeah, but that's Jesus, Pastor. He could sp do that and speak the Word, you know, but, you know, it's like those commercials, don't try this at home. Listen, this is, Jesus was showing us how to function. Because sometimes you'll see commercials where people are doing stunts and things like that. You know, and these are trained people that do stunts. You know, and they said, don't try this at home. These are for the professionals, you know. Jesus didn't say, don't do this. This is just for deity now, right? He didn't say that. He was showing us how to function, how to operate in life. Let's ask ourselves the question. In the last week, when you were being tempted, when discouragement was coming against you, did you open your mouth and, secondly, did you say, what the Word of God says. Now, I'm not saying that to be condemn yourself. I'm not saying that at all. It's just something to think about. Okay? Because sometimes I have not done it to myself. Right? And I have to say, wait a minute, Keith, wake up here. You need to say what the Word of God says about you. Okay? And when you say what the Word of God says about you according to God's Word, the devil has to leave. You'll notice that the devil never came back with that same temptation with Jesus. He was... Man, he was bruised bad. He left him. And he came back with a different temptation. Amen? And uh, he said that the last temptation was, you know, that <laughs> he said, uh, you know, up on the pinnacle of the temple, and the devil said to him, he says, cast yourself down, for it's written in the Word of God. Psalm 91. He'll give his angels charge over thee. Remember that? 
Now the devil's not quoting scripture, but he's taking it out of context. The next verse says, and you shall tread upon the lion and the adder and the young lion and dragon, you shall trample under feet. <laughs> and he, Jesus said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Hallelujah. And so he spoke the word of God, and on all three occasions, the enemy left. Hallelujah. And the devil leaves when you resist him with the word of God. He leaves. Now, my wife used this illustration. I'll use this again, and I, I feel led to say this, but she, I got this from her years ago. And I can't improve on it. It's, it's good. But what, what happens sometimes is when we resist the devil, we resist him with the word of God, it doesn't feel like anything's changed. You ever been there before? You say, in Jesus' name, you know, and the pain's still there and that kind of a thing, right? And, um, and so sometimes you're left there thinking, well, I hope it worked. I hope something connected there, you know. And, but here's the thing. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. In James chapter 4, resist the devil. Submit yourself to God, the first part of that. Submit yourself to God and His Word and resist the devil and he will flee from God, from you. All right? And someone says, well, I resisted the devil, but he didn't leave me. Okay? How do you know? How do you know? Now, here's the illustration. I don't think there's any Freds in here. Is there any Freds in here? We'll use Fred. All right? Fred comes walking in here. He comes in late. He just came into the service. He pulls out a big Cuban cigar, about that long. Lights up the cigar. People start hacking and coughing in the service. Okay? And the whole room is filled up. How many of you know that would fill the whole room, especially this size room? It would fill the entire room up. And so everybody in the church starts getting irritated. Oh, man. You know, Fred came in. Fred lit up that cigar. Now it's smelling the entire room. Everybody's affected by it, you know. So me, being the loving pastor that I am, said, Fred, if you don't put that cigar out, you're going to have to leave. And Fred says, I don't care what you say, pastor. I'm going to light that thing up. I'm going to smoke it in here. And so I say, I'm going to resist you. Now, Fred, you got to go. Ushers, usher him out right now. Okay? Illustration, right? Okay? And so... Fred leaves, the cigar leaves, but there's still evidence that he's still here. Somebody could come in and after he leaves and say, who's smoking the cigar? Oh, that was Fred, but we kicked him out. That's not true. I still smell it. The whole room is filled with that smoke. Do you hear, hear what I'm saying? But here's the thing. We kick Fred out and the cigar with him, so technically... He's gone. There may be some lingering symptoms that he's still here, but the culprit's been dealt with. Okay? And see, this is where most of the church world misses it because they resist the devil, they speak the word, but then they still look in the natural. They say, it doesn't, it's still, the pain's still there. I still feel the symptoms. It, my kid's still acting ugly. He's demon-possessed half the time. Okay? Or whatever. And, and, and you're looking at the symptoms instead of looking to the Word of God. Right? We have to look to the Word of God. Check the Word of God. What's, you know, instead of checking your pulse all the time. You know, check the Word of God. You understand what I'm saying? Check the Word of God. When you look what the Word of God says, by His stripes ye were healed. It's, it, that'll never change. That will never change. By His stripes ye were healed. 2,000 years ago. Hallelujah. So that we can boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I'll not fear what man shall do unto me. And we've got to wrap this up here. We'll go to Mark uh, chapter 9 for a minute here. By Mark chapter 9. So I wanted to leave you with this thought here today. To develop uh, a stronger faith in the Lord, we have to be saying what God says about us. We have to be speaking it, saying it, declaring it out loud, out loud. 
Mark 9.23 says, Jesus said unto them, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Wow. If you can believe, believe God. Have faith in what? God. Have faith in God. That just, that settles every problem human, every human could face. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith. Have trust in Him. He will see you through. So, uh, go right next door to Mark chapter 10. You're just one page over. Mark chapter 10, verse 27. Here Jesus says, Jesus looked and saith unto them, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. What if you just meditated on that? With God, all things are possible. Now because of time here, I'm just going to quote Luke chapter 1 verse 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Amen. Amen. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. (laughs) No thing, nothing shall be impossible. With God, all things are possible. Because the God that can do the impossible just happens to live inside you. If you're you're a Christian, it's not just you walking around. Okay? Now, I was was driving out here this morning earlier. We set up early, you know, I was coming out here. And the Lord whispered something to my heart. Now, I didn't hear it with my physical ears, but I heard it in here. He says, now remember, son. He goes, I'm the one that's talking to you right now. He goes, I'm living in you. You're not going out there alone. Amen. And that's not the first time he's told me that. Many, many, many times. And I, some people write that off think they're just making those words up. But listen, if somebody lives inside you, they will influence you. Amen. You have the spirit of the living God living in your body. And your body is the temple of the living God. And he's in there and he's able to communicate things to you, information to you that's meant to pick you up. And to lift you up. I could have easily brushed that aside. Amen? That I am so fired up. I am so excited. Because the Word is true. (laughs) The Word is truth. The Word is real. And the Word is going to help everybody here today. I can't help anybody in my own self. I don't have the ability to do that. But I know that the God that I serve, the God that lives inside of me can help Thousands of people. Amen? For with God nothing shall be impossible. Now go to Psalm 121. We've got to wrap this up here because we're out of time here. Just a couple of verses. Psalm 121. Look at the first three verses. Now if we leave you with anything today, we don't want it to be this thing. We need to learn... As Christians, we need to learn to look to the Lord more than what we do. Okay? David said this. He says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. And he says, My help cometh from the Lord, which hath made heaven and earth. Oh, my. Now, last time I checked, that's pretty big. <laughs> Amen? The earth is big. Anybody not think the earth is big? It's a big place. It's a big place. Even more so, the heavens are even bigger. Think about the vastness of this. We don't even see half of what's out there. A fraction of what's out there. Think about how, how far the stars are the nearest. What's the sun's the nearest star to our planet? I mean, how far is that? Dear me. And beyond that, God made this earth and He made the heavens. Okay? But He says right here, I love this, He says, He says, My help, I will lift up my eyes. My help cometh from the Lord who hath made heaven and earth. Okay? We can do the same thing. I can say, Lord, I lift up my eyes. I'm looking to you. Now, how do you look to the Lord that you can't physically see? Well, you look to the Word of God. 
When you look to the Word of God, you're looking to God. Because God and His Word, they're one. They're one. He goes on to say how that He'll keep Israel. He neither sleeps nor slumbers. Amen. There's a lot of powerful things in there. But here's where I want to close here today. This is the last verse. In Psalm 34. Uh, Psalm 34 and verse, start in verse 4. It's amazing how there's something about that first part of the day, like when you wake up in the morning, because all of us did today, right? You all woke up this morning. Anybody still asleep? (laughs) And you woke up this morning, which you wake up every single day. But, but someone is kind of jockeying for that position in your mind. How many of you know there's an enemy out there and he's trying to, he's trying to get a foothold in your thinking from the very outset of your day? He's trying to put an anxious, maybe you had a bad dream even. It was like, oh, you know, you wake up, you know. And, uh, but first thing in the morning, you wake up and all of a sudden, here comes these thoughts, negative thoughts, bad thoughts, right? And how, what we do with those thoughts, those are seeds. Remember that. Thoughts are seeds. Okay? And what we do with those thoughts will determine how the rest of our day is going to go. There have been times I've woken up and I've had numerous cares try to hit me in my thinking, right? This care, that care. And the, the enemy likes to use that pile-up effect, right? Where it's not just one problem. It's like five or six other things going on at the same time. Has that ever happened to anybody here? So, uh, you know, you got, you got kid problems, you got financial problems, you got physical problems, you know, you're worried about your future, you know, all these different fears that st- try to hit you, right? Okay? Now listen, the devil's not going to use the guy down the street that you barely know, and you're not going to worry about his kids because that they're not your responsibility. But he'll try to hit you at home where, where it really counts, Right? Right? Because you're not worried about Joe down the street, so to speak, right? You're not worried about him and his kids and his grandkids. You barely even know them, okay? You don't have the care of that person. But when it hits home and it's something personally in your house, the tendency is to take that care, okay? But look at this scripture. Psalm 34, verse 4. I sought the Lord, and he did what? And he heard me. And delivered me from half of my fears. <laughs> now he says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all of my fears. Fears, plural. There's not just fear, but fears. Fears. What's the solution for being delivered from our fears? Seeking the Lord. <laughs> Remember, we're looking to the Lord. The smartest thing that you and I could ever do, and I say this by the word of the Lord, the smartest thing you and I could ever do is to look to God in the midst of everything that we're facing. To really look to Him and say, Lord, I may not have the answer to this, but I'm looking to you. I'm asking you right now. And you may not at that very moment have the the wisdom that you need, but if you hang on to Him, the answer will come. It will come. Okay? That's why it says, let us hold fast the confession of our faith. Don't let it go. Keep saying what God says. Even in the midst of you're not sure what to do yet. Just hang on. Hang on. And hang in there. And so, I sought the Lord. He heard me, delivered me from all my fears. Praise the Lord. Notice the next verse. They looked unto Him. That's God. And they were enlightened. And their faces were not ashamed. So when you look to God, your countenance will be enlightened and you'll not be ashamed. Brother Hagin used to said used to say this, he said, Some of you look like last year's bird's nest. <laughs> and it was funny the way he would say it. He goes, he goes, if you looked at the, your your countenance, your face right now, he goes, Man, it's like you know, it's doesn't look very happy. You know what I'm saying? And it gets people loosened up, they laugh a little bit, and then the Lord's able to inject some things, okay? Mm-hmm. Every one of you, if you're, whatever you're going through right now, in the name of Jesus, 
God is bigger than that problem. I'm telling you, He's bigger than that mess. He's bigger than that problem that you're facing right now. He's a big God. Strong God. Mighty God. Praise God. That's the God that we serve. He's a big God. He's a strong God. And He's working for you. And it says... He keepeth Israel. He neither sleeps nor slumbers. He doesn't fall asleep. He's always there fighting for you. So they looked unto him. They were enlightened. Their faces were not ashamed. Look at verse 6. The poor man cried. The Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Well, I like that scripture. Now, poor doesn't just mean you're the guy that doesn't have a home. He's homeless. He's living on the street in a sleeping bag. That's not just what that's talking about there. Poor just means you're insufficient. You don't have enough. I love this scripture because all of us face this from time to time. We have need of some things, but we have to look to him. It says, the poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. How would you like the Lord to show up at your house and say, we're just going to take you through today. You're going to get delivered from every problem you have. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) Oh, praise the Lord. Jesus is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Okay? And one thing I know about lions, they roar. Okay? And they said that uh, in Africa, that a lion can be heard up to five miles when he roars. Five miles. I don't know. I don't know if there's any other animal that can do that, but I'll tell you, the roar of a lion can go f- five miles. Huh. Isn't that something? But the lion, Jesus is called the lion of the tribe of Judah. And guess what? He lives inside of you and he lives inside of me. He lives in you. There's a lion on the inside of you. Not a pussycat. A lion. Okay. There's a big difference, right? How many know there's a big difference between a house cat and a lion? (laughs) You all know the difference, right? Strength, size. But there's a roar inside of Jesus. And that roar can sometimes rise up inside of, it will rise up inside of you to roar out and say, no, here's what the word of God says. Here's what the Bible says. Hallelujah. Some of, the, some of the greatest battles that I've ever faced in life that I got victory from came when I allowed, and, and the pressure was on the flesh to just be quiet, just calm down now, just calm down, you know, go in a corner, don't talk to anybody, you know what I'm saying? There's a, there's, our flesh has a tendency to do that. Kind of feel bad for yourself, you know what I mean? Have a pity party. But that never gets you anywhere. Did you ever notice that? When you have a pity party, the devils will show up and say, we're going to have a big party now. Because look at how bad you have it. Just think how bad you have it. Well, I'll tell you how to shut him up real quick is start talking about, start thinking about all the things God has done for you and what he has done for you and what he continues to do for you. Amen? Like I said last few weeks, your next breath came from God. Your next heartbeat came from God. Your meal that you ate this morning came from God. Okay? I mean, God's constantly doing things for us. Hallelujah. So we have to learn to just open up our mouths. Now, in church, we can do that. It's easier to do that. And it should be because we're faith coming together. There's a corporate anointing here. All of our faith coming together, our, our hearts coming together. There's a powerful anointing when we come together. And there should be. But you can still tap into the anointing of God out there when you leave here today. Hallelujah. Driving in your car, in your house, if you're by yourself, you can start to say what the Bible says. And start out, just start out small. Just start out with where you're at and just take one scripture and start to say it. Okay? Just take one scripture. Start out. Amen? See little Daniel over here? Does he crawl yet? A little bit. Okay. He's not walking yet, but he will. Okay? The time is going to come 
where he's going to be walking. He'll be running around here in a few months. Okay? But he's not there yet. He still has to grow some, right? It's called maturing, right? Now, spiritually, we start out crawling. But we have to start just making some movement, moving forward, and start to say what God says. The Word was, here's the full circle. God said it. God said it. Therefore, we can say it. How's that phrase go? He spoke it. He spoke the word that it might be written, and it was written that it might be spoken. I like that. He spoke the word so that it could be first written, and then it was written so that we could then speak it. It completes the cycle. You see? So speak the word of God this week. Get one scripture. God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen?